What an exciting day! Today, we became officially certified as Master Gardeners. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of August the 10th, 2011. It was a fun event to see all our friends from Master Gardener, to see the people who have helped us along in the process. Great food. Yeah. It was just a delightful um, occasion for us to spend time with them and an honor to be designated Master Gardeners. And you and I both received an additional certificate because we um, had more than 100 hours of volunteer service. And, you know, it was so easy to do that. I enjoyed every minute of it. Everything I did that counted as volunteer service hours was just fun doing. So I anticipate continuing as we're active Master Gardeners to, you know, because we'll have service requirements for that, too, to, be, to remain active. I, I anticipate having no trouble continuing in that I vein. agree. It should not be a problem at all. So now what? that we have received that designation. We've been anticipating this day for, um, gosh, nearly a year now. I know. Uh, from the time we enrolled in the course, and of course we, it officially, I think our orientation was maybe late August of last year, and then classes started in September. Yeah. So it has been about a year that we've had a chance to um, learn and then reflect on what we've learned and then apply what we've learned and what's I think we've talked about this before that it's amazing you don't realize it when it's happening but we really have learned something we have become able to mentor others we now know how to find answers to perplexing questions about grow growing things um, we've become quite facile yeah. with the ACES website and other websites like it and um we, we sort of know how to go find the answer when we have a question. Yeah, that's right. Well, let's just talk briefly about how your growing and mine has been affected by our experience with Master Gardener. How are you different? Well, the, a lot of it was just which what we learned at the beginning, the basics. I may have learned something about soil composition and uh, plant nutrients and plant growth principles and etc when I was in college in my biology classes but that had been a long time and I you know it's when you don't apply knowledge immediately or even ever which I rarely had I think I grew a few azaleas and that kind of thing but I really had not done a lot of application of what I had learned even then so you forget bottom line is I'd forgotten whatever I knew and the the refresher of the basics helped and then each week our lessons became, you know, and of course some were more practical or more um, applicable to what we're doing than others. But so many of them, even if I thought, well, I'm not really going to be grafting a tree right now, I might in the future, and I, I feel confident that I can do it. But the basics of what I do day in and day out, uh, building up the soil, um, understanding how to you know, plant what the what the roots of a plant need in order to um, grow and provide uh, the 
base for a healthy plant, um, watering needs. Uh, I could go on and on. You know, flowering, budding, pollination, all of that. We have learned so much in Master Gardener that just, if it was not brand new to us, it certainly was a step up from what I knew before. Absolutely. And I guess I'm reflecting on the fact that um, many of our classmates in our Master Gardener classes were longtime gardeners. They'd been Mm -hmm. doing it for a while. They sort of knew all of the tricks and foibles and so forth. So for them, the classes were less about, oh, wow, oh, oh, okay, so we can do, oh, okay, we'll do that, you know, which is where you and I were, and more, oh, I didn't know that, you know, Mm -hmm. the the revelations were fewer and further uh, separated for them, but I think in some ways, you and I were ideally situated for Master Gardener because we didn't have to unlearn a lot of bad habits. Yeah. We just didn't have habits to begin with. So. Yes. And, uh, so yeah. it has been a thoroughly successful experience for us. And what about you? Your question about how will you change in what you're doing? Well, based obviously, on that. I'm going to keep using the term systematic. I think that Master Gardener has taught us a more systematic approach to growing things. Mm-hmm. So part of my systematic approach is this whole idea of trellising the orchard. Mm-hmm. And yes. when we say, what's Lee doing, we're thinking fruit yes. and versus what's Amanda doing, we're thinking veg. So when we talk about Lee, um, I'm thinking about uh, trellising fruit as a way of, of making it more systematic. Mm-hmm. When I prune and how I prune and what varieties I select are all more systematic as a result of my involvement with Master Gardener. Mm-hmm. And say. and so much of what we learned in Master Gardener was directly applicable to even systemic kinds of uh, questions. For example, chilling hours. I'd never really heard about chilling hours until we took Master Gardener. But now we know all about chilling hours, and, and we how can talk chilling hours with the best of them. Yeah, and how important that is, critical, really, yeah. for fruit production. Yes. So. Well, um, now that we have done this, how will we interact with the Master Gardener program differently? Well, I plan to stay involved in it, and I hope you do too, as an active member. I have enjoyed the field trips, the camaraderie. They're just a great group of people. You just cannot do better when you move into a community than to affiliate with a Master Gardener chapter. As we have said on a couple of different occasions, you have to work really hard to be a gardener and a jerk. At the same time, that's right. And, And obviously, the people we know, they're they are just salt of the earth. They're great. Good cooks. Every time you go to a <laughs> gathering, I eat way too much. And uh, and I just I think the projects that they take on, the service projects, are so worthwhile. So I plan to stay involved. Yeah, I do too. So talk a little bit about our plans for Advanced Master Gardener. Well, we had talked about that maybe on a previous podcast that we hoped ultimately to do that. Um and and maybe we should give a little background about exactly what Advanced Master Gardener is. Please do. Well, my understanding is that it is a um, program. Of course, you have to have completed the Master Gardener program, the original one first. And then you specialize in a particular area about which 
academic research exists so that you can um, go out and collect some of that research. For example, I want to do organic vegetable production. So it's not just for me, me to, you know, go back and pick up a bunch of old wives' tales from the past and say, oh, this is what you should do to grow organic vegetables. But I need to be able to utilize the research-based knowledge that's out there to pull that into um, some sort of um, presentation. And I suppose it takes a written form, an oral form. And in order for us to earn our advanced Master Gardener status, particularly in these uh, sort of boutique topics we're mm -hmm. choosing, we must be able to justify the additional time it's going to demand from our extension agent, Mallory Kelly. Mm -hmm. And the way we justify that time is by showing when and how we can teach others what we are learning. Right. Research, we take the research-based knowledge, we apply it and show that we've learned something, you know, we, we know how yeah. to use and that. And that there is a demand for people to learn what we are prepared to teach them. And we do have all kinds of basis for that, that yes, we believe we there is very our, much a demand for organic production. Yeah, our plan is for you to focus on organic home-scale vegetable production, for me to, sh to focus on organic home-scale fruit production, and you're right, I think we won't have any trouble generating demand for that information. Folks are interested in learning yeah. about it. Yeah, and uh, we will be able to give presentations to groups. Uh, the other thing we should mention about Advanced Master Gardener is uh, another requirement is a whole other set of volunteer hours that we have to put in. Which should be trivial. Yeah, to <laughs> us, since we don't we enjoy doing it. Yeah. So uh, we'll you find. have to put in 200 additional hours. No, 200 hours total, mm -hmm. and we're well on our way, so that won't be difficult. Yeah. So that's our plan for Master Gardener and, and um, our, our summary of our very fun day, very satisfying graduation day. Yeah. So let's talk about the lodge. I know. That's, that's another exciting topic because I, as we drove up after the, the ceremony, after the graduation, the uh, workers had completed putting the roof on it. So you can actually stand up there completely sheltered and look down and imagine a little bit more what it's going to be like when we have a, a house It's exciting. There. Uh, what we are calling phase one of the pole barn construction is complete now. The poles are in place. The trusses are set. The purlins attached to the, pur to the trusses. And the insulation and metal is attached to the purlins. So that, uh, that phase one finished up this morning. That's right, and I saw you up there earlier. I was down working in the vegetable garden. I looked up, and you were talking to uh, Trey, who's going to do our the concrete and mm -hmm. the uh, the uh, I guess the complete what has to be done to the um, storage shelter as well, the storm shelter. Yes, and uh, the the next big project is for him to form up the concrete pad, and when that that pad is formed up, then uh, we begin laying out the walls and yeah. doing the rough plumbing and rough electrical and so forth. So mm -hmm. that'll be exciting to see. I know. Then when the rough plumbing and electrical is done, then Trey and his folks will come back and pour the pad, which will be fun. And that frees us up to begin actually framing the conditioned space as well as the screen porch. And then we'll really see it 
take shape that you know what what the actual space is going to look like so it's exciting i can give you an advanced preview think big <laughs> it's going to be a big space yeah okay that's fine with me um but uh, and, and there's a couple of things we've already gotten to discussing about the interior and that is the refrigerator for one we're going <laughs> to have to choose a new refrigerator and you and i had uh, an interesting conversation this morning um i guess a little passionate at some point because we have different perspectives on what to do about the refrigerator up well, there. Well, you believe that it's going to be more efficient to turn it off when we're not using it. And then, you know, let's say we decide five hours from now we're going to have a, co a group of people over for supper. Uh, we need to u have that refrigerator running. So you go turn it on, and I suppose that it can cool down in, in five hours. I don't really know what the time is. And then let's say you turn it off after that group's gone. And then you go turn it back on again another time. And I'm just arguing, you know, at some point that may be diminishing returns. It may not really be efficient to have it completely heat up, the refrigerator completely heat up, and then have to cool down again repeatedly. Um, so what we decided to do was to do a little experiment. Not right now because the refrigerator is filled to capacity, the, the one that we have down in the apartment, filled to capacity with veg from Veg Hill. So um, I've got some, some gleaning and, and processing and all to do with that food. But when we get to the point that it's um, we're a little bit low on food, we thought about turning this refrigerator off. This refrigerator, meaning the one that we have now in, in our, the pole in barn. In the pole barn. And your suggestion was to put that one in the apartment and put the new one that we know will be running 24-7 in here. So let, we're going to try our experiment, and we will report on that result in a podcast. Um, when we turn this refrigerator off, shut it down completely, uh, let it reach room temperature, and that will be a good opportunity to clean it out completely, too. I haven't That has not been lost on me. Um, and then crank it back up and just and have the kilowatt available to measure the energy use involved for, for it to completely cool down and start producing ice again, have the freezer operating, you know, it's complete, ready for use. Uh, yeah. Does that, does that so make sense? It, it, it makes sense to me. It's, um, I guess, it's emblematic of the kinds of questions many of us should be asking but haven't gotten around to asking because we've not been as focused on saving energy in the past as we will have to be in the future. That's right. Um, you and I, are, we believe, are sort of on the cusp of that new awareness, new attentiveness to saving energy in whatever way we can. And obviously there are plenty of households in the United States where they keep two or sometimes three refrigerators running 24-7 we understand that you can easily do that. We're just trying to figure out some alternative to well, it. Well, we did that for years at our house in, in Birmingham. I wasn't going to bring that up, but now that you have, yes, well, we were one of those you, households. It was very convenient. It was very convenient often, to you as the homemaker, if, yes. When you entertain, you often have a good many leftovers, or when you're preparing to entertain, you often prepare some huge amount of food that needs to be kept cold, and it takes up half your refrigerator and you simply don't have space. 
So you got this extra one. And I'm sure in an emergency like that, you know, whatever we decide, we can do that. Mm -hmm. But um, I do believe that if there's not a lot of difference between running all the time versus cranking it off, cranking it on, then, you know, we may decide to let it stay on. We're just going to have to decide based on our research about that. Yeah. So uh, we'll let you know about it. Well, before we run out of time, tell us what's been going on in the orchard, because I've seen you out there several days this week. Well, it's been fun. I, I think that um, we probably had our last pruning uh, yesterday. And the reason I say that is that the next time it will be time to prune in the orchard, we probably won't want to prune that late because what you, you don't want to prune late in the growing season and and stimulate promote, new growth, stimulate right. a lot of new growth that then gets attacked by a frost. Yeah. So that's that's basically yeah. where we are with that. And so I think we probably have done our last pruning for the season. Um, and now our attention shifts to what do we plant this fall? Uh, the big one, of course, is rounding out our blueberry strip. Mm -hmm. You yeah. and I have ident. We think we can fit a total of forty blueberries. That's a heck of a lot of blueberries. I know. But this is Central Alabama, sort of ground zero for blueberry production. So it's easy to grow blueberries mm -hmm. organically here. They don't require. Pesticides, herbicides don't require a lot of fertilizer. We have nice acid soil that yeah. blueberries like. <laughs> yeah, the kind of soil <laughs> they like. So we're going to explode our blueberry production on the theory that that's something we can do and do well. And that means we need to put about 16 more blueberry bushes in this fall. Something like that. Something like yeah. that, yeah. We'll have to see. Uh, the jury's still out on a couple of those plants out there. We'll have to see how well they're doing. Don't you think that we Yeah, one? but it was interesting. There was one that I knew had died that now has a little growth on it. Oh, so maybe. So I'm inclined to just sort of leave it alone we'll see and what see happens, yeah. how, it, how it winters. Mm -hmm. and yeah. We can always plant a, a new bush there later yeah. if we need to. And, then, and very quickly, didn't we decide, we decide to replace the three pomegranates that got taken down with the construction up the hill, a persimmon tree that didn't make it, and uh, that is a, a, an oriental persimmon, an Asian persimmon, um, a muscadine that didn't make it, and three blackberry Exactly. Bushes. Those are the ones that we've identified that need to be replaced because they didn't make it or because they never got planted. So yeah. um, that's that sort of rounds out the uh, orchard plan oh, for the fall. But don't forget, I want some more peach trees, too. We decided we'd put more peaches in. Yeah, we could probably put one peach where the Celeste fig was. That's another casualty. And we could put another peach um, immediately south of the lodge if we're willing to keep it, if we're willing to grow it without the benefit of deer fence. Yeah. Um, you know, we, the deer don't seem to bother figs a lot, which is why we've put a lot of figs up south of the of the um, lodge. Peaches are a different matter, so if we wanted to grow peaches south of the lodge, we'd be sort of taking a chance with the deer. Yeah. Um, and we may decide we w don't want to do that, but maybe just one more peach tree then. Well, um, we clearly, we easily can add one more peach. Um, 
and you know who knows what's going to happen with these those AU rubrum plums they're <laughs> sort of hanging on for dear life yeah yeah our <laughs> advice is uh those those are a little sketchy at, least at, for at our any area. moment without notice we may take them out of our misery yeah. so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and if we take you know if we take out one or two of the AU rubrum plums that frees up spots for peaches there right. as well so we'll we'll get back to you on that But uh, anyway, I guess we're just about out of time. Yeah, I hope you have a wonderful week, and we will look forward to visiting with you soon. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.